Are you ready to take your real estate investing business to the next level? Well, you're in the right place. This is the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. With your mentors, Wayne and Gabby. Good morning and welcome to the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Today is Wednesday, October 19, 2022. The weather today will be a high of 20 degrees in Edmonton. Happy birthday, Reggie. Don't wish our dog a happy birthday on the show. <laughs> Nobody cares about our dog. We do. Good morning, everybody. We're broadcasting live as we do every morning, Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. Mountain Time on the Podbean app. Come join us live. Get your questions answered. Be a part of the chat as everybody else is this morning. We see Denis coming in here, Kirsten, Matt, Don, Ken, Nathan, Chris, Elray, May, Garrett, Cody. Cody. Ryan, Francis. Yeah. Yeah, we were meant to be married. <laughs> oh, boy. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody doing good? Everybody waking up with big dreams, big big goals, ready to take on the world, do all that stuff? Me too. As I big yawn. Me too. <laughs> Let's tell that kid to turn down her uh, tablet. Oh, my okay. gosh. I'll help her. All right. Uh, so, big things coming up. Uh, this Saturday, we got our introduction to Multifamily Investing Mastermind, which is exclusive to the REI Master's Mentorship Program. If you want to get involved in that, uh, got to join the, master, uh, the Master's Mentorship Program. Um, I recommend it. It's a good idea. Uh, our mentees are having a ton of success. Um, just ask them. Literally, just ask them what kind of success they're having. They'll tell you. And if um, and if they're not having any success, I promise you they'll probably tell you how shitty the program is. But it's um, I've yet to hear anything. I've yet to hear any bad reviews um, because we go above and beyond. And the resources that are available with it are just nothing compares to it. There's nothing else in the market that compares to it. We really want to see you guys succeed. So... Um, lots of free coaching here every morning on the morning show to get your questions answered, you know, like we tell you every morning, but if you need to need that extra push or you want to take it to the next level and you really want to like, there's like, there's like, you know, passive real estate investors. And then there's like, then there's rock stars, people who want to do big things. Um, if that's you, then definitely join the master's mentorship program. And one of the perks uh, is this Saturday we have that mastermind. Um, the introduction to real estate investing, um, sorry, the introduction to multifamily real estate investing. So that's this Saturday, October 22nd. Uh, what else we got coming up here? Uh, you can join us next Friday, October 28th for our REI masters networking meetup. That's five thirty seven thirty 30 next Friday. Uh, we're going to be holding it at one of our fix and flip projects. Uh, that project should be wrapping up that week. So you'll get to see the finished product, which is pretty cool. Get to network with us, get to network with other real estate investors. 
So, you know, get some numbers, get some business cards, um, talk about what it is that you do. Maybe you'll meet your next partner. Hells yeah. Okay. And... And it's live on Eventbrite as of 10... Oh. PM last night. <laughs> yeah, so if you want to register for that, it's it's free registration. Um, but we do ask that you register because there's a limited amount of spots. Um, you head to Eventbrite or head to our free Facebook group, Real Estate Investing Masters, and um, we got her pinned up there. We will have it pinned. We don't. We got her currently. by the by the time you look, it'll be pinned. Um, <laughs> in the Facebook group, there you just register on Eventbrite, and if you can't find it. You can always email us at info at reimorningshow.com and we'll get that sent to you. That, does that sound fair? Yeah. Um, I also want to bring up something that we don't talk about very often, oddly, but I think that everybody kind of knows about it. Um, every month we do a contest on the podcast um, called the Top Fan. Top Fan of the Month. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you join into the live show, there's lots of ways to engage with the show. Um, you can, you know, chat in the chat box there. You can call into the show. You can click the heart button. You can share it, um, on different social media platforms, you know, directly through the app. Uh, the app rewards you for engagement. The easiest way to do it is just to hit the heart button every, every couple of minutes. But ultimately what you're going to notice on the side there is that there's an accumulation of hearts and whoever has the most hearts at the end of the month is the top fan of the month. So we want to reward you for being loyal listeners coming in and joining in live every morning. So we uh, like to throw a little prize in there for the top fan of the month. And uh, what we've been doing for the last six months or so, maybe more, more, more is we've been giving away two free coaching calls, two free one-on-one coaching calls uh, where you can get your questions answered. We can, you know, dive deep into what it is that you're working on. Um, in the last few months, we've had some really amazing coaching calls. Um, so if you're interested in that, then then keep joining in live to the show. <clears throat> and keep engaging. Keep clicking those hearts, calling into the show, sharing the show on Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff. And um, get that engagement out. Get those hearts up um, so that, you, uh, that you're in the running. The way that we do the draw is we take the top five fans, okay? Whoever's in first, they get five ballots. Second gets four ballots. Third gets three ballots. Fourth gets two ballots. And fifth gets one ballot. We put all those ballots into a, um, a vintage real estate investor dad coffee mug, shake it up a little bit, and then we, uh, then we pull a name. That person gets the two free coaching calls. Was that a little too fast? No. I'm just trying to get through a bunch of stuff this morning that we need to get through. <laughs> Um, hopefully that makes, you know, that wasn't too fast for everybody. Um, as it stands right now, where are we at for this month? Who is in first? Ken. What is in second? Francis. Why is in third? Kyle. Um, Ken, Francis, Kyle, Elray, Ryan. Okay. There's some big spreads there. There's an opportunity to, to, you know, if, if you still haven't, um, I mean, getting involved. I mean, there's still 11, 12 days left. Mm-hmm. No, nope. maybe more like eight weekdays left. Okay. So get in on that. Okay. What else? Do we have, do we have anyone new joining the show today? If you're new to the show, type it in the comments. 
or call in. Chris has got a question, which I will get to in a little bit. Um, Ken's got bad news. Ken says, I have bronchitis and I'm up at work. Uh, my wife wished me a happy anniversary yesterday before me. Good news. The city of Edmonton has cleared the path for negotiations to purchase a strip of land beside my vacant lot that would make it a total of 65 by 150. Woohoo. Very cool. Very cool. Sorry about the bronchitis. <laughs> um, I'm very sorry that I hope that your wife's not like holding that against you about the anniversary thing. <clears throat> what else we got? Is anyone new to the show? Did everyone see the picture of um, Garrett's butt posted to Facebook yesterday by his wife? What? <laughs> Sorry, Garrett. What? What is this, TMZ? <laughs> Did anyone bring this up or is this all you? Me. I just thought it was hilarious. <laughs> so Richard's first time listening to the show. Um, and he gets to hear about Garrett's butt. Yeah. Is it still online? Oh, I'm sure it is. Can I Joe Rogan this and like share it up on the screen? <laughs> is everybody, is everybody searching Facebook for Garrett's butt right now? <laughs> or is it just me? Uh, Was it his wife that posted or Garrett? His wife. Oh, okay. All right. Well, another time. Definitely looking that up later though. Why did she post his butt? <laughs> Garrett's wife is like is 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 a social media influencer. I don't know if you noticed. Like she's got like, yeah. I see how many likes and comments she gets. I'm like, damn. <laughs> I've told Garrett before. Like he needs to step up his social media game if he wants to be like a a really big you know real estate investor because like he's literally got like a guru living. Yeah, he's got a social media coach in house. Yeah, like right in house. Like I don't know why you're not like, you know killing it on the on the reels and the tiktoks but it sounds like it's not <laughs> his butt is going to be social media famous <laughs> he's trying to do the kim kardashian thing where he's just trying to get the butt to break the world or break the internet <laughs> figures he can just I'm gonna stop i'm yeah. gonna stop <laughs> this has gone too far i apologize you brought it up you brought it up okay um we haven't sworn yet that's a that's a plus <laughs> Um, our sponsors are going to be very happy to hear that. We'll take a quick little break. Some of you might have heard us talking about DCI Properties and how much we like their process and deal flow as one of the premier wholesaling companies in Canada. But one of the things most people don't know about DCI Properties is that they don't cherry pick deals for themselves. Everything they get under contract, they offer out to their buyers list. That's right. No sloppy seconds from no DCI. No sloppy seconds. <laughs> So if you're an investor looking for their next flip project or cash-flowing rental property, get on their buyers list today and check out their inventory. To get on the list for Alberta deals, visit www.dciproperties.ca slash albertabuyers or for Ontario deals, go to www.dciproperties.ca slash buyers. Alrighty, we are back. Um... Okay, well, where do we where do we take this? Um, <laughs> I was just thinking, you know how, you know how sometimes, like, you know, we're just we're just talking, right? We're just having a conversation. Yeah. But sometimes I forget that, um, you know, like, I just talked about Garrett's butt, 
on a podcast that's going to be around forever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're getting a little too comfortable. Oh, good times. However, as far as like marketing goes, just think about how many people are going to go and subscribe or follow Garrett, Garrett now. Yeah. You're welcome, you Garrett. Think about, yeah. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> the value that we just provided. I was going to say there might only be, you know, 30-something, 40-something people in here so far this morning, but there's going to be at least, you know, 600 more people that yeah. listen to this, that download this after. Yeah. The only thing is I know that Garrett never wanted to be a sex symbol. And we just, we really pushed that on him. So now he's got to live with that. <laughs> um, okay. Let's get to some questions. I got, uh, I got one from uh, Chris here. Uh, Chris asks, is multifamily way more advanced than flips, burrs, AFS and RTO? Advanced? No, I would say it's, well, of the four that you just described right there, I'd say it's probably around the same. I, I don't think that it requires, define define advanced. It's just a different set of rules. Yeah. Like it, it's just like learning any other strategy. It's just a different set of rules that you just need to understand. I w yeah, I personally wouldn't call it necessarily advanced you need to know the paperwork you need to know how the math works you need to know how the lending works but isn't that the same for any yeah any of those methods mentioned is hockey more advanced than football just different it's just different yeah right and um just because you're good at hockey doesn't necessarily mean you're great at football um it takes a lot of training and education and years and years and years of practice um so some might, uh, you know, some multifamily investors might actually be very intimidated by flips because they don't understand all the ins and outs of it. Same thing with RTO. It's very complicated. AFS is very complicated. Burrs, I would say, are the least complicated. If we're talking about complicated, that's that's why I asked you the definition of advanced. Um, no, I would say that, um, in my opinion, multifamily is very simple. In my opinion. I've researched all five of those things, and I've done four of them. Um I found multifamily to be quite simple. Keep in mind that you can <clears throat> burr multifamily, you can flip multifamily, mm -hmm. you can like, you know, all of the things are also relevant in there. So um, yeah, different set of rules that you have to learn. Just don't be, um, a lot of people think that it's the most advanced because people start with like an apartment unit, like a condo, and then they buy a single family house and they're like, I want to own the big one. Right. And people just think that that's always better, which is not always the case. It really depends on your goals and what you're trying to reach. Do the math for all of it. Reverse engineer your goals and figure out which one is best for you. So it'll say about that. Um, uh, don't quite understand the, the, the words in this question, but based on, oh, maybe your experience in St. Albert, based on your experience in St. Albert, which is a city just northwest of Edmonton, um, should I pull the permits or should the contractors be the one to pull them? I understand it's difficult for someone who doesn't live in St. Albert. 
Um, only because I know, um, actually only because my wife knows, um, I, I can answer this, uh, St. Albert, if I if I understand this correctly, you need to be a contractor licensed in St. Albert in order to pull uh, permits. Yes. And that's the same thing with other surrounding cities too. Um, just because you're in and around Edmonton doesn't like every Sherwood Park has their own. Um, you got to be licensed there. Leduca, you have to be licensed there. Uh, St. Albert, you need to be licensed there. Um, I'm assuming the other cities as well. So, you know, if you're, your contractor is trying to say your electrician is trying to pull a permit. If they don't, if they're not licensed in St. Albert, then yeah, they're going to have to go get a license, which from what I understand, these smaller towns that it's a little bit, it's pretty easy. You can get it within a week or so. Yes. St. Albert is, um, from what I understand, just based on talking to our contractors who have tried to pull permits there and that sort of thing is that St. Albert is one of the toughest cities, um, for that process that they really only like to, uh, they, they only make it easy for contractors who actually reside in St. Albert. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if, you, if you're a contractor and you live in St. Albert and all of your business is in St. Albert, then it's no problem, you're golden. But if you're a contractor coming in from Edmonton or surrounding and trying to get licensed in St. Albert to do business in St. Albert, they don't make it easy. Um, I hear that it's timely and hoops to jump through to make that happen. Okay. But again, that's just, that's just hearsay based on, you know, what they've said. So I don't know facts. I've never tried to apply for a license there as a contractor, so I can't. Yeah. Gotcha. Again, but that's just from our experience. And then if you're the one pulling like a development permit or something like that, if you're, I mean, normally you'd have your general contractor pull that because they'll, they'll be licensed. But if, um. Yeah, um, you'll just have to have uh, a qualified contractor um, who's licensed in that area to pull any permits that need to be pulled. <clears throat> what else we got going on here? You got to make noises because it's podcast. Yes, just one other. Can I just say one other thing on that? Sorry, I just... Um, because we've flipped in, in different cities now, we've flipped in Leduc, Sherwood Park, um, St. Albert, Edmonton, Calgary. Um, my understanding for some of the cities that make it harder to, um, get the licensing and that sort of thing is that I've, I've had trades say that, um, and I respect this. I've had them say that you're better off to find a local plumber who can do the work for you. You're better off to find a local electrician who can do the work for you. Otherwise you're gonna have delays of, you know, this and mm-hmm. that. Cause they do like a lot of those trades do need to pull their permit. Like, as far as I know, you cannot, if you're changing something, you cannot pull an electrical permit for the electrician. The electrician has to pull the permit. Yes. You can pull a development. You can say, hey city, I am developing and correct me if I'm wrong. Or a building permit. Yeah, or a building. You could say I'm developing or I'm building, but the electrician doing the wiring still has to pull their own permit. The plumber doing the plumbing still has to pull their own permit. Correct. And so when you're pulling in those contractors to do that, if they're not licensed in that city, you're going to face delays, mm-hmm. especially if you're not like thinking in advance and having this all happen in advance. Mm. 
And a lot of them, if they're not licensed, aren't going to be willing to get licensed to do your one project. Because it's like a few hundred bucks for yeah. the year, which, I mean, unless you say, hey, I'll pay for your license, but is that worth your money? Or exactly. can you just call up XYZ Electrical and get them in? Yeah. And, and, and maybe you don't have a relationship with XYZ Electrical. Um, however, the extra 300 bucks that you would have paid for getting your contractor, your electrician to get a permit... A license. Um, a license, sorry. Yeah. You know, it, it off, it's, it's six and a half dozen. Yeah. And you can get it done a lot faster. So, yeah, I, I think that's I think that's great advice, to be honest. Um, <clears throat> I also want to say good morning to Pete Repeat, mm. who just came on the show. Good morning, Pete. Um, okay, so I got a couple things that just kind of happened this week. Um, uh, I have some... Uh, some good news and some bad news. <clears throat> for whom? For us? For the listeners? No, for us. Okay. Um, so what do you want first? Good news or bad news? Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it to the comments. What do you want first? Good news or bad news? <laughs> <clears throat> bad news, bad first. Why is it always bad first? Because then you can end on a high note. Ah. Uh... Okay. So, um, fairly certain Gabby, a lot, this is actually things that Gabby really doesn't even know. Um, fairly certain that our applicant who you sent off the lease to, um, I think I'm going to walk away from him, her and him. I wrote them off yesterday. Yeah. Yep. I called her, which I never do. But at the same time, um, it's my belief that I shouldn't be when you walk around with like this belief that I'm better than that, or my time is worth more. Sometimes what you do is you really, you really affect the quality. And, um, I was, I was seeing it there. I'm like, if I just called this person, I could get an actual answer rather than like Waiting. continuing to like yeah. DM them and, emailing them being like you need to do this right away sign this document otherwise we're taking another applicant it just it wasn't working so i'm like you know what i'm just gonna pull up this person's phone number i'm gonna call them and see what the heck's going on so when i called her up um she had a very like almost like a crying tone but i guess she said we've been dealing with a family emergency i don't know how legit that is but Regardless, I'm like, okay, I'm sorry to hear about that. I just wanted to call because we were just about to move on. But like, you know, I wanted to make sure that something hadn't happened. And I didn't want you to be like, you know, thinking that you had this place and then you were going to be moving in a few weeks and then something happened. So it's always best just to call just to make sure. So I'm sorry about that. And, uh, and she goes, yeah. And another thing, I've got a list of things I need to talk to you about. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <clears throat> and I said, well, you know, the best way to do this is just to email us and, you know, we'll review it and we can answer it off. But I'm going to need you to get through that tonight. You need to, like we sent the lease three days ago, um, you need to send the first month's rent and sign the lease at the same time. And then security deposit, sorry, um, security, yeah, security deposit is due um, when you move in on the first. She goes, yeah, but before I do that, I need you to answer some questions for me. And she had questions about, uh, this is the first person. We've had many people ask us about this. This is the first person who's ever questioned inspections. 
Oh, wow. She goes, why do you need to come in and do inspections? I said, well, it's our responsibility as the owners of the property to maintain the property. We have had some bad experiences where, you know, we've, we haven't done inspections or we've done inspections. We found that some tenants are just like, you know, they're, they're conducting illegal activity. Um, you know, I, we've seen, um, uh, hydroponic gardens being created, um, using like, you know, DIY electrical and big tubs of water in the basement, which could have been a huge fire hazard and mold hazard. Um, we found some people who had, you know, that never cleaned any of their garbage. There was garbage all over the place. They were hoarders. So it's our responsibility to make sure that it's, that everything is, is okay. And that, that the unit is safe as well. We come in every three months just to do general maintenance on the property. Right. We're not the type of landlords that just like, here's the keys. We'll see you in a few years. We're going to come in and we're going to check on the gutters. We're going to check on the property to make sure it's in working order. We're going to, you know, do, you know, basic maintenance, like, you know, cleaning out lint traps and stuff like that. We're going to check on the furnace. We're going to replace the filters in the furnace as well. You know, like our inspection is going to be like less than two minutes. We're going to give you seven to 10 business days worth of notice. So it's not like we're going to be like, hey, we're going to be there this afternoon. We're going to give you seven days worth of notice just in case that like you need to do a little tidying up or something like that. We understand that. We know you're coming into your space. But we are allowed to do this, to do regular maintenance checks and inspections. And uh, and if there's anything wrong, you let us know and we'll fix it. Yeah, well, that doesn't, that seems, that seems outrageous to me. I've never had anyone do inspections and I don't want you coming in my space. And I said, but I hope you understand why we're doing it. Yes, I understand. And that's fine. I'll call you if there's anything that needs to be, needs to be fixed. And I said, I, I said, this is, um, this is, I'm just gonna let you know, this is gonna be a deal breaker for us. This is, um, I'm not gonna allow, you know, um, you to tell us that we cannot inspect our property on a regular basis. Um, she goes, well, it's at the very least, that's too often. I say, I understand what you're saying, but you know, I've owned properties for a long time and I need, I know what needs to be done to these properties to make sure that they are in good working order. And if that's an issue to you, that's a bit of a red flag for me. She goes, okay, no, that's fine. No, that's fine. We can deal with that. Okay. Well, you're already a huge pain in my ass. <laughs> um, the other thing was uh, she she brought up the um, why do I have to send rent right now and not on the first? So because it's to secure the unit. Yeah, but I'll pay you on the first. I said I totally understand like your perspective on this, but you have to understand that we have other applicants that are waiting and that are asking, "Hey, is this available? Is this available? Have you filled this? Have you filled this?" I keep saying yes, but what's to stop you from just changing your mind the day before you move in? Well, I have a lease. I said, well, technically, unless you pay the rent, um, and if you don't take keys, then, then then you don't have to pay. And even if you did have to pay, how would I get the money from you? Well, if I change my mind on the on the thirtieth, then that's that's my choice. I said, yeah, but we're not interested in you having you change your mind on the thirtieth. We like if you're going to take this, we want to know you're going to take it. Okay, yeah, no, um, we can send rent, but I don't know about today. And in your email, it said that if I don't send the the rent today then you're going to charge me a penalty. I said, no, no, <laughs> no, we didn't. So she goes, what's this rental discount stuff that you're talking about? This rental discount thing. And you said, if I don't pay today, when I signed the lease or two days ago, you're going to charge me an extra $200. I'm going to lose my discount. I said, no, you ma'am, you misread it. Um, what she's referring to is in the email. Uh, we explain that we do not have a late penalty system. We have a on-time rental discount system. 
And the way that it's structured is that, you know, if you pay your rent late, we don't charge you a penalty. There is a rental discount that is applied. And if you don't pay your rent on time, then the rental discount is removed and you pay the rent that is the original rent, which is $200 more. It's just a better system that's that's easier to enforce um, with landlord-tenant, you know, disputes. Um, we learned about this years ago. We implemented it. You know, we've learned over the years it's not really all that enforceable. It's like, like it makes sense that like, hey, your rent, you know, if the rent is sixteen hundred bucks, what you do is you put the rent for eighteen hundred bucks and have a rental discount for two hundred bucks. And it's a uh, rent rental incentive. Yeah. Yeah. And then if you don't pay your rent on time, then you owe eighteen, right? And this way, if we ever have to go to you know a, a dispute. Um, you know, with the RGDRS in Alberta or your landlord tenant board and wherever else. In that case, then we can say, well, the rent is 1800 and we offer a discount for on-time rent. They weren't on time. So therefore the rent is um, 1800 and not 1600 And because late penalties are not enforceable mm-hmm. um, in landlord tenant dispute um, disputes. So this way you can actually enforce uh, penalties without calling them penalties, just a workaround. But, you know, now that everybody's doing it, it's just like I've heard stories that like it's not enforceable. They don't allow it. They see right through the bullshit. To me, it's more about um, holding the tenant accountable. I don't care whether it's enforceable or not, because honestly, like um, I agree, unless you're incurring actual penalties yourself, then what's the money for? So to me, it's more about keeping the tenant accountable to pay the rent on time. They're far more worried about having to pay $200 more than they are about your $25 a day late fee. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Ryan asked, you know, why the call they weren't responding. Yeah. So we sent it on um, Sunday and they hadn't responded yet. And like, I'm trying to get this thing filled for November 1st. So, you know, their, their communication has been garbage already. And I, every time we email them, I've had to follow up with like the Facebook messenger, you know, chat that we had through marketplace which I don't like doing because then that just, it just, it sets, um, it sets, uh, it, it makes them believe that I'm, you know, they don't have to respond to the emails that I'll always just follow up by text or something like that, which we don't do all communications through email. And the, the, the fact that they're taking so it took so long for them to send credit reports. They finally sent the credit reports. They didn't send the full ones. It's just been, this has been going on for like a week over a week Mm. when it should have been done in a day. Yeah. Right. And so all of our other applicants, we told them it's taken. And so now they've moved on. You know what I mean? Like we had some good applicants and so it's a little annoying. That's why I'm like, okay, I just got to call this woman. Like I'm going to set the expectations, give her an ultimatum. um, So that way she signs it tonight and we can be done with it. I just want to be done with this. But if I need to go and start, you know, doing showings again, I need to know now. I'm not, I, I'd like to fill this for November 1st. Um, so anyways, I mean, with all of that, you know, I explained the rental discount thing. She said, we pay early every time. I don't like this. You got way too many hoops to jump through for your lease. I'm looking through everything else and you've got like maintenance and you've got all those other things. Keep in I'm- mind, they're also from BC. So they are from a tenant friendly province. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where maybe a lot of these things um, aren't allowed. You're not allowed to do in BC. Yeah. 
Um, Rebecca says, great idea about the rental incentive since here in Sask uh, Saskatchewan, I believe it's not legal for us to charge a rent penalty. I believe in most provinces it's it's not legal. Yeah. Um, I think you can only charge, I, I think that's just a, that's just a basic, um, basic law is that you cannot, I shouldn't say that. Um, normally you can only charge for expenses that you have incurred. Yeah. Typically. Um, Courtney says, it sounds like you dodged a bullet, honestly. Yeah. Like normally I try not to, I try and Wayne's a little more lenient on the red flags. <laughs> well, no, I just, my expectations are significantly lower for tenants. Yeah. Because what I find is that everybody's like, no, it's not worth my time. If they can't, if, how many times have you heard this? If they don't have the, if they can't take two seconds to fill out my application or they can't take two seconds to explain, um, you know, who they are and why they want to rent from me. If they can't fill out an application before, you know, we, we show the units. If, if they just hit the, are you, is it still available? Then, then they're probably not worth it. And they just basically dismiss leads yeah. automatically. In my mind, I try and put my, myself in the shoes of a tenant. And 99% of tenants have shit credit. Very, 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 very rarely do I, do we actually get like a tenant for like one of these more affordable units, like a main floor suite, townhouse, right? Unless you're looking, you're looking at a single family house, right? Anything that's other than a single family house, I've, I, I can't remember the last time we saw a credit score over 700 or above 650. So like my expectations are very low right there. So people, you know, I have debts, they miss payments. Just, just, just make the decision in your, like, you know, come to terms with it and just move on. Um, they're bad with communication. They do not remember to call people. They do not check their email on a regular basis because they, they're not like us where they have organized emails and calendars, right? They forget to do stuff. They don't read the email fully. It just, I just, I just set that expectation and then that way I don't throw out all these red flags and be like, oh yeah, they're not worth it. You know, I want, you know, I want a doctor and a, and, a, and an officer um, and, and I want them to have $300,000 a year with credit over 700. It's just, it's not going to happen. So that's why like I'm, I'm a lot more lenient because I just know that my, my target client isn't like that. They don't have those things. They are this person. So I'm, my last resort was just to call the person and just the attitude that she was giving me. I know that she's going to be giving me attitude in the future to anything that we bring up and we will bring things up like, Hey, your rent is not on time. Well, I don't have to pay it on time. I can always give it to you and, and you're not going to pay. No, I know that the rental discount is this, but you're not going to do that. And I'll just leave. If that's the attitude that I'm going to be getting as opposed to like, I'm so sorry, I'll have this paid on the fifth. Then I'm not interested. I'm not interested in that headache. So, that's that's kind of where it's at right now. Um, I I leave. I, I I take my pride and I put it off to the side when I'm when I'm being a landlord. Um, I forget about how much I'm worth. I forget about um, you know what my expectations are for people, and I put all that to the side. And when I'm when I'm being when I'm doing landlording, um, because if I if I if I took my pride into these conversations or these, these disputes, 
maybe over in a second. <laughs> or you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, regardless, I, I just feel like, you know, I, I gave them the ultimatum to pay last night after we had a really great conversation. I explained everything. I was very charming and friendly. And um, and she said she, she would send it off last night and she didn't. So I'm just moving on. Um, if it comes through this morning, to be honest, Gab, I'd, I'd prefer if you can just cancel that, oh, yeah, that DocuSign yeah. request. I don't, I don't want her anymore. No, for sure. 100% um, no. She, she wanted to, she's like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to get you to send, I'm going to get you to meet my brother there tomorrow. And I want <laughs> you to go through all this with him. And I want him to walk through the property again. I'm like, you've already been through it. Yeah. No, we're not going to have Yeah. My brother's been again. living there in Edmonton for seven years and, uh, I want him to walk through it. So yeah, like that's just not going to happen. I said, like, I don't live in the city and I'm not, I'd have to pay someone to come down and I wouldn't be able to get them to the weekend. So, okay, well, that's, that's fine. We'll wait to the weekend. And I'm like, no, I mean, like, I'm, I'm letting you know right now that if the, if the lease isn't signed and the rent isn't sent tonight, then I'm going to be moving on to their applicants. Okay, we'll send it. But like, I, I still want to be able to see it this weekend and I want him to go through the lease. I said, so you're going to sign the lease tonight and send over the rent. And then you still want him to go on the weekend to review it. And make sure that you actually want it. <laughs> I said, you've already been through it. I've sent you, I can send you another video if you want to see it again. But like, um, I, I, I really don't have the time for this. And she goes, okay, fine. We'll send, we'll send, we'll send it. So, um, yeah. So unfortunately I'm going to have to go back to doing, you know, booking more showings. I've had a ton though. Yeah. People have been asking about the market lately. Tons of people still messaging me. Yeah. And some pretty decent applicants too. Um, Pete has a scandalous tenant question. Okay. So that was the bad news. I'll tell you okay. the good news later. Okay. Uh, it's on topic. So I thought, so Pete says tenant question. Did I, you say scandalous though? Yeah. No, I said scandalous because <laughs> I read through it already. Okay. Um, tenant question. I have a tenant couple breaking up and he's wanting to move out before the end of the lease. She found a new partner and this has caused obvious conflict. How do you handle the situation with lease agreement changes and getting him out and the other guy in? I'm going to let Gabby handle this one. <laughs> um, well, there's the obvious easy answer and then there's the, you know, discretionary um, answer. Yeah. So uh, first things first is you obviously don't want, um, well, you need to decide whether you want anybody in or you want them all out. Um, because you obviously don't want to just keep status quo as it is and not let the guy out and have, you know, that weird tenant situation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So first things first is deciding, do you just want to get everybody out and say, if, if we're changing the situation, then we're just breaking the lease. Or do you want to try to facilitate the old switcheroo? Mm -hmm. So, um, my first thing is that does she qualify on her own? Um, because I would say that probably if she does qualify for her on her own, then first things first is let the dude out. And then you need to find out if dude number or dude B, <laughs> so let dude A out. And then you need to find out if dude B qualifies and is somebody that you would allow to live in your rental property. So you have to screen them just like You'd you would any them. normal applicant. Yeah. They'd have to fill out the application, provide you their employer, their credit, their all that kind of stuff. And you need to decide whether they're somebody who's worthy of living in your suite. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like there's a couple steps that need to happen. Um, but so were you going to say something, Wayne? Yeah, I was just waiting. No, go for it. 
Um, so yeah, Gabby gave you the the discretionary answer. It's, it's at your discretion whether you want to accept this. But ultimately, you know, if one person wants to leave the lease, um, technically, if even if he moves out, and I'd have to look into the tech. Actually, I can't say technically. If if one guy is moving out, um, typically, if someone wants to move out, it would be they would be the only party on the lease, right? Yeah. And in that case, you would be responsible for finding a suitable replacement. But one person still wants to stay on the lease. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't quite, never actually quite looked into this. It's not clear in, in the RTA, RTA. I know that for a fact. So I'd have to ask an expert. But if one person wants to leave uh, and they leave, then you would just alter the lease. And then the existing person would remain on the lease. Now, whether they could still afford it or not is irrelevant as far as I know. Because they've already signed the lease with you. No, I know, but you don't want to allow somebody who can't afford it to I stay. I understand, but what are your obligations? Oh. You don't I want see. them to. Yeah. Can you physically remove them if somebody can leaves? Can you, though? Yeah. I see I what you're saying. I don't think you can. There's still an existing lease that you've already signed that you are obligated to fulfill. So you can't say, no, I signed both of you. I... I I would assume, but I don't know that answer. So you'd have to, you'd have to call. Um, what I would recommend doing is call the, um, oh God. Well, it sounds like the landlord tenant advisory board, which they're, they're a free consult consultation service. You can call, um, just Google landlord and tenant advisory board and ask them about that and what the technicality is or look through the RTA. I, I've never seen it in the RTA unless somebody else has, um, to find out if you do not want this person to continue to stay, then, you know, are they both breaking the lease or, or are you supposed to allow the, the, the remaining person to stay on the lease? I'm trying to interject because we have more information. So he said that they were both great tenants um, and she can't afford it on her own. And she has always paid all the bills and he had never made any payments to him. Mm-hmm. So um, it sounds like it sounds like Pete would like to keep her. Yeah, and uh, and it's just making sure he goes about the the switcheroo in the proper way. Right. So um, say so yeah, we can definitely re- if you if you want to keep her, I'd just say yeah, we can definitely look at this. Um, just like anyone else that uh, moves into a property, I need to do my proper screening. So they'll have to fill out an application to make sure. I need to know who's living in the units. You can't have someone else move in without being on the lease. So I need to be able to review their application to make sure that they're all good. I can do my my background, you know, due diligence. And uh, if it's all good, then I will add their name on there. And uh, I've already removed the other guy. And uh, we'll have all parties. We'll have your ex and yourself uh, initial uh, removing him off the lease. So you would just cross his name off. Um, he would initial, you would initial, and the woman would initial. Um, and that removes him. And then... Uh, as for adding someone else on, same thing. You would add that other person's name on there. Just write their name over top. All three, uh, all three parties initial. The new guy, dude B, the woman, and yourself. And then that's all. Pretty simple. Um, you can also do like an addendum as well if you if you want to you want to keep it cleaner. But I just do the old switcheroo, cross name off, put a new name on, do initials. Um, yeah. I think that that kind of solves the problem, right? I mean, that that solves the the question, right? 
the question that was asked about how to handle yeah, that. I believe so. Um, uh, Pete says awesome. Okay. Carlos is trying to call in on a different topic, but I just wanted to keep answering these questions. I just want to make sure that we're answering questions yeah. before we change topic. Uh, Ryan asked, when you have a pending lease, so back to what I was talking about a minute ago, where, you know, we've already done an application, we've approved them, we sent off the lease and it's pending signature. Uh, when you have a pending lease, how do you deal with further requests? Do you put everything on hold? I don't. I never do. The the ad is active and the inquiries and um, showings and everything proceeds until it's signed and money is in hand. For this example, exactly. This, it's, this example is, I don't think it's ever really happened to us where it's been dragged out so long and someone's changed their mind. Someone may have changed their mind in the past once, but uh, yeah, you like Gabby said, continue to keep advertising it. Um, continue to get applications in uh, until the person signs on the line that is dotted and they send the rent. Yeah. Because the last thing you want to find out is that a few days before they take possession that they haven't done it and then you're screwed and you've got a vacancy for a whole month where you need to cover the expenses. Yeah. I think in the situation where Wayne was talking, because I know that he did say while he was talking with her that he said, like, we, you know, have all these people that I've told it's taken. I, that, I think that was just a tactic to her to get her to either – Oh, I didn't answer all those people. Yeah, there's just way too many requests. <laughs> oh, you didn't? Okay. So in this case, Wayne did there, not. There were, <laughs> there were a few people that were really interested and I told yeah. them that it's taken. But like everyone else that's responded to the ad since, I've just been ignoring. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would not put everything on hold. Um, just keep – you never know, right? And and maybe, maybe you just randomly Google that person's name um, the day they're about to sign and then you find out that they – you know, strab, uh, stabbed their drug dealer and went to jail. And you're like, uh, I didn't notice this one. So, Okay, so Amanda asks, why do you ask for first, first month's rent upfront instead of the security deposit? Hmm. Which is, that. yeah, a great question. Um, so a security deposit, if you pay, which is like, I think that anybody who's learning about landlording learns like, you get them to sign the lease and they pay their security deposit. It's just like what is kind of taught mainstream. Mm -hmm. um, but what happens when they pay the security deposit and sign the lease is that if they decide last minute to back out before they um, take a keys and exchange rent is that you legally cannot hold the security deposit. They haven't moved in, you haven't given them keys, they haven't paid rent. So that security deposit, there's no damages, there's no unpaid rent, there's no nothing. So you legally cannot hold it. Yeah. So if they pay first month's rent though, and then decide to move out, technically they've, they've now physically secured the lease. They have paid their rent, they have signed the lease, yeah. even though they haven't taken the keys, it's just, it's interpreted differently at least here in Alberta with the RTDRS. Um, I don't know how that translates into other provinces, but um, it's- It's, it's going to be different in every province. Yeah, it'll yeah. be different in every province, but um, it's more security for us as landlords to- That to, way we don't have to give it back. Yeah. So, I mean, we've I've had this situation, actually, we had a couple moving from BC and- um, a week before they were moving, they had a change of heart. I can't remember. I don't even think something happened. I think that they just decided not to move anymore. And um, I, I, like I said, I can't fill this. I can't fill this suite in a week. So I'm sorry, but you know, you won't 
like be getting the money back or whatever. And they were really upset. And I said, I'm going to try my darndest to get the suite rented. Believe me, I want it to be filled. I don't want to be, you know, to continue doing this for the next month. So if I fill it, I will absolutely return the money. But as of right now, you've secured the lease. You have a signed rental lease agreement that you are responsible for. It's a binding contract. And, um, you know, I'll touch base if I'm able to fill it. And literally uh, at the like 11th hour on the last day of the month, I secured a tenant. And um, that night I sent her back her money. So yeah, it happens. People do decide last minute to back out even after they've paid the deposit deposit, rent, whatever it is that you're yep. charging, sign the lease, everything's good. Nothing's stopping them from saying, I actually I changed my mind. Yeah. And that leaves you, the landlord, going like, WTF. We have a I signed... could be out a month a month rent now trying to find another tenant. I'm sure there's at least one person thinking, I'm like, well, if they don't want to move in, you can't just take their money. But you have to remember that we have a signed contract, a signed contract that says that they're going to be renting this for one year. Why should that, why should we be penalized? Why should we have to cover the expenses for something that they were going to cover in an agreement where they said that they were going to do that, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to answer Carlos right now. Just, uh, just hold on a second. Okay. I'll try calling back in. You're clear. Okay. Hey, can you guys hear me now? Yep, you betcha. Oh, now I can hear you. Perfect. Hey, sorry, sorry, really quick question for you. Um, we are right now looking for a house for ourselves. Uh, and we found this bungalow where they added a second floor at some point in time in history. I was wondering if you guys have any uh, experience with those and any tips about what to look for and how to make sure it's a good investment and stuff. Did you say they added a second floor? Yeah, a whole uh, second floor. Okay. I mean, I would just call the city and just pull see the permits that have been pulled for it. Okay. That would be so they would have had to pull a development and a building permit, and you just make sure that. Uh, and also, uh, it wouldn't be an RPR, but um, maybe it would. I mean, it depends. If 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 the second floor was built directly over top of the the existing single floor, then I mean, you probably wouldn't see it on on an RPR. But I would just call the city just to see uh, what building and development permits were pulled, just to make sure, um, and then hire a home inspector. I mean, that should be. I was going to say, yeah, I think like as long as it's permitted and as long as the inspection says, yeah, everything's good, then I don't see what would be different from any other property. I would I would say that uh, the development permit problem. I don't and I don't know if it's public knowledge, like public information, where you can just pull that, like ask to see that permit. Because that would have a drawing as well, right? And but I mean, if they did it, if they did a development permit, they would have had to submit a drawing, and that and that it would have had to have been inspected afterwards to make sure that it fit the requirements of that, you know, that it matched the drawing, right? So it would have had to been approved, inspected. So 
I would just call the city just to find out and see if there's development permit and then just make sure it was inspected and, and cleared and get a home inspector to make sure just, you know, lastly that it's still holding up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Anything that you know when it comes to um, them with comparables, like how do they hold up uh, marketing wise? Cause it's still a bit of a fixer upper. So we'll definitely be doing some little bit of sweat equity in, into it as well. Uh, comparing a property like that, um, I would say it, it just based off the square footage, just like anything else, lot size, square footage, bedrooms. Um, I mean, it will obviously look significantly different than other properties that are, say, 1,400 or 1,500 square feet or 1,700, whatever it is. Um, however, it comes down to the numbers. I'd say the bedrooms, the lot size, the square footage, the house, the, uh, the you know finished basement, that kind of stuff. And then that's how comps are created. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's pretty simple stuff. You can get them, like, if if you really wanted to, you can order an appraisal just to see, like, is this thing actually valued where it should be Yeah. as well, a last resort? They're yeah. going to do the same thing that a, that a realtor is going to do. But, yeah, if you, yeah, I would order an appraisal for sure just to be safe. Yeah, it's a little bit funny because I can't really use the, the two stories in the area, like the natural two stories in the area's comps, and it's not a bungalow. Oh. And so, like, saying, oh. well... A crappy bungalow in the area is three fifty, and a really nice bungalow in the area is four fifty. But um, where does this thing sit in? So, uh, yeah. Well, um, I'd say hire an appraiser because that's going to be your best bet then. Um, during doing during your diligence uh, period when you got conditions, I just hired the appraisal at two fifty or three hundred bucks, just to be sure. Because I mean, they're ultimately going to tell you exactly what it's worth based off the comps in the area. for that peace of mind okay buddy thanks so much for calling in yeah talk to you later bye-bye where are we at for questions right now um man there's a lot of chatter that's Um, good uh courtney says we just filled a vacancy signed the lease took the money and the tenant backed out a couple days later. Ugh, back to square one. Signed the lease and took the money, and the tenant backed out a couple days later. Back to square one, and because the lease was signed, we declined all other tenants, and there were a couple great tenants. Real kicker was that the original tenant wanted to break the lease, and we agreed when we found a suitable tenant, so we had released him. So did you collect rent or the deposit? <laughs> is the question. This is an earlier question, so I'm wondering if if there's if there's more information after the fact. Uh, if she typed out more information. Um, Taylor says, so you collect first month's rent right away upon signing the lease. Do you collect a security deposit or additional fees upon move-in or at another time? Yeah, exactly that. So first month's rent, uh, same day that the lease gets signed. That holds it. We take down the ad. Everything's a done deal. And then day of move-in, I collect the security deposit and any other like non-refundable pet fee, anything else that's yeah. like added in there. When you hand over the keys yeah. or before you hand over the keys. You know what I noticed in the, um, so you know there's like the RTA, there's like the official um, provincial document that goes over like the responsibilities of the um, well, the act itself. And then there's like the um, government Alberta website has like the um, kind of like PDF that has like the guidelines of like all the different topics. 
Oh, so like the uh, the handbook. The, the, I think yeah, it's called the, the quick, handbook. The quick reference handbook. Yeah. So I was um, reading through it the other day. I think one of the women in uh, one of my masterminds asked a question, and I was trying to make sure that I was answering it properly. And while I was in there, it was a it was a pet question, actually about service dogs. That's what it was. But while I was in there, I noticed, which I don't remember it being. I don't remember it being so clear the last time I checked this. But and I'm totally changing topics because it's about pets, but um, they're very clear in there that um, pet fees, if as long as they're non-refundable and that sort of thing, are allowed to be charged. Like I remember it being really murky before. It didn't really say much about it. So tenants would always argue that that's illegal to charge um, the pet fee, yada, yada, like that you can't charge anything over the security deposit. And I mean, maybe I just was less experienced and didn't interpret it properly like years ago, but it's very clear that as long as it's a non-refundable fee, that additional pet fees can be charged and, you know, like all that kind of stuff. So um, I haven't had a tenant argue it with me in, I'd say, probably the last year or two, but um, really good reference material if you have that situation where tenants are trying to challenge you on whether you're allowed to charge those pet fees and stuff. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> what? No, it's just Garrett. Someone asked where his acreage was, and he said, White Court, the land of the free. <laughs> so, is that what the sign says when you drive into White Court, <laughs> or is that, is that what the license says underneath your, your license number? <laughs> um,. Uh, Kirsten says, is anyone else bummed that we didn't get a love you bye-bye from Carlos when he called? <laughs> I was about to say, I guess he doesn't love us anymore. Oh, <laughs> uh, no bye-bye toot toot. Okay. Oh, wow. There is a lot of chatter in there. We're trying to get through it all. Um, uh, Cody says, I never realized pet fee was non-refundable. Mm, very important. Yes. So your... your oh, sorry, it has to, sorry. Uh, pet fees have to be... Ref nope. What? Nope. So um, anything that's refundable cannot exceed the amount of first month's rent. So, or sorry, of, of your monthly rent. So your security deposit, generally, you charge the full price of what one month of rent is. Mm -hmm. It's equal to one month of rent. So if you have a pet fee, an upfront pet fee on top of that, it cannot be refundable. Otherwise, it has to just be part of the security deposit, which cannot exceed one month rent. Mm. So if you are charging an upfront one-time pet fee, it has to be non-refundable. And that makes it legal to do so. Is that it's a non-refundable fee, fee, fee? Sorry, it's a non-refundable fee, and it's above and beyond what the security deposit is. So that is very important. Um, we just refer to it as a one-time non-refundable pet fee. Plus, we charge month monthly pet rent. Yeah, yeah, and they go towards different things. Like it's it's not just like we're trying to cash grab. We actually um, allocate allocate them towards. Um, additional cleaning when they move out and then the other one towards the um 
the accelerated replacement of materials within the property. Yeah. So the renovations that require faster on our pet friendly suites than on our non pet friendly suites. Right. So deposit, what we, what we tell tenants is when they ask why we have a deposit and a monthly pet rent, we tell them the deposit with whatever 200 bucks or 250 bucks goes towards additional sanitizing and cleaning when you move out. Um, when you leave, you know, if there's any dandruff or anything like that, and we have a new tenant moving in, that may be uh, allergic to, you know, dander or something like that. Uh, we need to make sure that we sanitize the unit before, after, sorry, after everyone leaves. Even if the next person isn't the next person after that, maybe. So we always sanitize it and clean it, steam clean the carpets and everything to make sure that, um, you know, it doesn't affect anyone in the future, even guests. Um, now, the monthly pet rent, that just goes towards the allocation of increased wear and tear, as Gabby said. So the floors are going to need to be replaced more often. You know, if you're walking around with bare feet and socks, you're not really scraping up the floors. However, if you've got a small dog or a big dog, you know, they're going to do not much like, oh, not my dog. No, not my dog. My dog doesn't do that. My dog wears slippers. Yeah, I know. But your dog, you can't speak for your dog and you can't hold your dog. Like you can't tell your dog not to do things, right? I know for a fact that you're going to do your best to take care of this place, but a dog does not have, cannot give me that guarantee. So therefore, there is an increased wear and tear when we have a, a pet friendly unit. And the extra cost to replace these items, let's say carpet that normally gets replaced every seven years, we're going to be replacing every four or five years because the dogs are tracking in the mud from going outside and everything else, right? They got like, are you washing your dog every night? Are you showering in the morning with your dog? No, probably not. Right? So that's just that money goes into the reserve and then it covers the increased wear and tear. So we have to replace it more often. Therefore, you know, that money gets allocated towards that. And we've never really had any issues. Um, some people are like, no, it's uh, we're not doing that. Well, oh, I've been, so many people have threatened to report me. Oh, really? yeah. Like I, I, but that was like several years ago. So I think that maybe people have now just realized that like, this is normal. You're not going to find a place unless you pay your fees. Yeah. But um, yeah, I used to get like every time I posted an ad, I used to get like destroyed. I'm going to report you and yeah, this and that and all the bad names. Mm -hmm. <laughs> how much do you charge? We're going to go a couple minutes over today, but how much do you charge for your monthly, monthly pet fee? Um, we used to do 250, but um, monthly pet fee. Oh, monthly pet fee. Uh, 50 per dog, 25 per cat. Yeah. Yeah. I think it should be the other way around. Cats are worse, <laughs> but that's just me. Um, and then deposit. you said we used to. Used to do uh 250, but, um. Sorry, not deposit. One time pet fee. Pet fee. Yeah. But, um, I've been charging 150 the last couple of years. It, yeah. If you got to, it really depends on the applicant. Like. Absolutely. Yeah. If you got a, like an amazing applicant, sometimes we'll waive the pet fee altogether. Um, it's just, it, 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 it's not like we're waving, you know, the, the fact that, you know, we're going to sanitize it afterwards. Like, no, it's just like, it's an incentive. Like we can remove that or we can lower the rent by a hundred bucks if we really want this person. So if you really want someone, you got to make it irresistible. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we'll find anyway, Hey, you no, know, we think you'd be perfect for this. And we've decided we're actually going to waive the, uh, the one time pet fee of $250. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just, just. Whatever it gets is get them to whatever it takes to get them to sign on the line that's dotted. Um, okay, well, it's kind of wrapping up the show here. I did, I did have some good news, and I'll just end it on the good news. I think sure. that's what everybody wanted, right? Start with the bad news. Talk about landlording for a while. 
get everybody in a really shitty mood. My first swear word. Wow. We did good today. Congrats. Um, and now I want to end it on a, on a, on a decent high note. It's, it's nothing special. But um, we got a, we got an email from a tenant. I was just talking about this the other day. I can't remember if it was on the coaching call on Thursday or or whether it was in the morning show, but I was just like talking about like how like the whole rental property business is like my least favorite part about real estate investing because just like, I don't like, I like to have a routine. I like to focus on, you know, moving forward. I like to focus on growth. I hate the management side of it. So I hate like, even if you had a property manager, like, you know, your property manager is still going to reach out to you and tell you what's going on. Right. If they're good, because you want to, you still kind of want to know if a tenant didn't pay rent or they left to did a midnight move or something like that. So I was just talking about how I really like at any moment I can get an email and it could like ruin my afternoon. And we were dealing with something, we were really busy. And then I got an email from a tenant. It was on the weekend on Sunday or something like that. And hey, my microwave's not working. I'm like, ugh. I mean, like it's it's simple. We call an appliance technician in there. They come in. They they you know they diagnose. They, they diagnose it. They charge us an eighty or ninety dollar call out, and then plus parts. If they can get it fixed within an hour, they don't charge us any additional hours, and it's just the cost of parts. So ninety bucks plus parts. Normally, it's like you know hundred bucks. If it takes them any longer, they need to order parts, and then it's just more hours on top of that. I'm looking at it. I'm like, Gav, how much is an over the range microwave? <laughs> like this, this property was built in like 2004, 2005, something like that. Um, it's not our newest property. It's a single family home. Um, I'm like, how much is it for an over the range? And I'm like, well, she's like, I don't know what color it is. Is it white? Is it black? I'm like, ah, okay, it's probably black. But um, so I emailed the person back and asked them to send me the information for the, uh, the make and the model. You know what I mean? So I can look it up. Um, I can ask them to go through the troubleshooting manual, but I'm just going to do it myself. It's just, otherwise I know they're not going to do it. Um, so I got the making the model. I'm going to look up the troubleshooting, see if I can figure it out. She sends me a video of what's going on. So she sends me a video of setting the timer on the microwave. And then, so say you set it for two minutes, it automatically, the timer goes like, and it goes all the way down to zero really fast. So Never. she said like a two minute timer is taking like 30 seconds. Yeah, it's just like it's like the clock goes down really fast and it doesn't heat it up. So it's a really that's a really weird like yeah never you know, heard thing. of that before. Never heard of that happen before. And I googled it and like there's not very much on it. There's two things. Um, one is saying that there's like something wrong with one of the sensors that you're going to need to replace the whole front face of the um, you know the the the, 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 the yeah. touch screen. Uh, or two, it is a an issue with the con. Um, uh, not the connectivity, but something to do with the electrical on the on the door. So it's a it's a security feature for um, the door to make sure that the door is closed, so they're not you know releasing radioactive waves. Uh, not radioactive, uh, my, uh, my, my, whatever it is. <laughs> is it microwaves? <laughs> It's a little early. I know there's a word that I'm not. It's microwaves. I'm going to go with microwaves. You don't release <laughs> microwaves. How are those comments looking right now? Everybody's waiting for you to get to the point. <laughs> do we have anyone? Do we have anyone joining us today that's in that's in IT? 
Any IT nerds here? While you're commenting there, let's see if anyone's in IT um, or in tech support. Uh, I'm looking at this. I'm like, oh, dear God, like. I'm going to have to call in this person. They're going to have to get like a, a voltmeter. They're going to have to test the, you know, um, you know, the connection there on the door. We're going to have to replace the whole front, you know, face of the the touchboard and everything else. I'm like, this is going to be like, this is going to be an $80 call out and like a $200 part. I'm like, gap, how much does this thing cost to replace? And it's like, I think it's like four or 500 bucks to replace it. Yeah. They're not cheap, but then you also need to get somebody to install install it. Install as well. And I'm like, oh my God, this thing's going to be like six or 700 bucks to replace but I can't justify paying two or $300, you know what I mean? For an older black over the range. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of, you have to find the right size. Yes, I can find it on Kijiji. Yes. This is one of those moments where I talk about my time is worth significantly more than this. Um, I'm not going to go on Kijiji. I'm not going to like, you know, bring them down the price. I'm not going to go look at the thing and find out that it's all scuffed up and I'm going to bring it and I'm going to drop it off myself. The amount of hours it would take to do all this is like just not worth it. So I'm leaning towards like the $700 fix. Um, just get a completely brand new one. And that's what Kyle says. It's probably cheaper to replace the microwave because this isn't the last thing that's going to happen in the next two or three years with that microwave. You might as well just replace it, right? Um, uh, so the, the nerds here, the the IT nerds, um, as, as Lindsay calls them, um, microwaves make microwaves. Is that is that the truth? Okay, perfect. Wow. I just sounded really funny when I said it out loud. Um, what I recommended uh, for my IT nerds, anyone who's ever called IT in tech support, I told her to unplug it for a few minutes and then plug it back in. Now, it's the most annoying thing in the world to hear. When you call IT and you're like, my thing, stupid thing's not working, my email's not working, my computer's not working, my screen's like fucked. Two swear words. And then they tell you, can you please unplug it for 30 seconds and then plug it back in and tell me what happens? <laughs> and every single time that happens, you're always just like, go. That's so stupid. And IT never leaves their desk. <laughs> well, guess what? It, it worked. worked. <laughs> <laughs> She emails me back a few minutes later and she's like, it worked. I can't believe it actually worked. And I email back. I'm like, I can't believe it worked either. <laughs> but I'm like, I just saved a hundred bucks of having someone, you know, having someone come out there to diagnose it just to tell me just to, it's going to cost 600 bucks to replace. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just saved a hundred bucks. So next time, you know, your, your tenants call you and they say, oh, it's not working. First things first, ask for the model and the make go online and find the troubleshooting manual and diagnose it or just do a quick YouTube search and then send them off that information first. Make sure you try and diagnose it yourself really quickly. Give them a few troubleshooting things to try. Um, and then, I mean, worst case scenario, just ask them to unplug it for a couple of minutes and then uh, it might reset it. So there's your, your hot I'm tip. I'm so glad that you um, are on rental emails right now because I definitely wouldn't have come to that conclusion. <laughs> I would have sent somebody out, like probably without even going through the troubleshooting, just because like right now, time is time is precious. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it was like I had, I had a, I had a, I had 30, I had free 30 minutes. I was just sitting on the couch. I was exhausted. I'm working all day. You guys had gone to do something like get groceries or whatever. 
And I'm just like, I got 30 minutes to myself. And I'm like, I just want to go like play chess or video games or something. Just numb my brain out. And uh, I'm like, oh, I better answer that email. It's been two days. And uh, I opened it up and then I spent 10 minutes on it. I had it, had it resolved. And I was like so happy and fulfilled. Like it actually put me in a really good mood that I, I got a win, right? And you're supposed to celebrate your wins. And that was a huge win. And I hope you guys have a great day today. I hope you guys are, your day is full of wins and celebrations. And uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow morning. Happy hump day. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Interested in being a guest on the show? Send us an email to info at reimorningshow.com.